Hi and welcome to Dynamics Update. This is not one of the uh, release notes episodes, this is actually one of the uh, interview episodes and today we have a special guest with us. So apart from the guest I have of course Gustav with me as usual. Hello. So he, he, he doesn't need any introduction, he's just uh, here <laughs> always. But uh, with us as a guest we have Fredrik Sätre from Microsoft. Welcome, Hi, Fredrik. welcome. Hello, hello. Thank hello. you for uh, having me on guys. Uh, and congratulations on your half mile uh, or half half mouth on uh, Johan. That was uh, amazing. Very well done, Johan. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was uh, it was uh, it was long, so that's that's okay. Halfway there. That's yep. good. Yeah, yep. that's really cool. Uh, all right. So uh, please, Frederick, introduce yourself a little bit. So um, I work at Microsoft and I'm the, we call it technology specialist manager. So I'm heading up the pre-sales resources for the enterprise unit. I've worked uh, with Dynamics for the last, well, now 15 years, I guess. Uh, earliest version, I guess, I touched was 3.0. So not not an OG, but uh, <laughs> fairly, fairly long in the game. Yeah. Uh, I was an MVP for a couple of years before I started at Microsoft. Uh, and I'm just like really into the features and functions of the platforms and ability to kind of extend it and um, really enthusiastic about all the technology and how that can kind of better the everyday life for, for the, the users. Yeah. It's nice to have you, have you aboard. Yep. Uh, so w- when you and I talked before the podcast, we actually uh, got some, some subject suggestions uh, that you had opinions about. So, yes, uh, I, I'm, I'm known for my opinions. <laughs> opinions are good. <laughs> I good. also yeah. tend to have a lot of them. Uh, they are not always correct, but I can, at least yes. I can uh, argue for them. And if someone argues better, then I can agree that I was wrong. So yeah. that's, yes. that's okay. Hopefully it makes for good yeah, listening it, as well. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 very very confident until I'm proving wrong. So, <laughs> yes, uh, and and being with Tommy uh, on one, on our podcast, it was always like, uh, no, Frederick is not like that. And there might be some uh, some uh, some some really technical guys out there who probably want to uh, to correct me on some of these. So I'm I'm a bit generic in it yeah. in some of the areas, and there are finer aspects of it because yeah. there's always a better explanation that we can give. Of course, but that's the life of a salesperson, right? So we <laughs> yeah. we tend to. Uh, be able to um, uh, do it all in general, and then somebody else has to, yeah, stretch, to actually stretch it a deliver. bit. Yeah, that's a good disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> right. yes. I think you, Iwan, yes. yourself told, told me once that I, you should never interrupt or should never destroy a good story with facts. When I fact check, no, exactly. Thing, so. Don't let facts stand in the way of a good good story. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll try to let it slide. And one of the things that I think it, it, lately for me, and we, when we talked about the topics, right, it was oh, this multi tenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, hashtag multi-tenant that, that's kind of propagating around. And I saw uh, one of the topics that I just answered right before you you asked me about topics was was this IFS, that ERP in the cloud doesn't have to be like non-extendable or you can't, do you have to, can you, you just have to live with the standard, right? And that's mm. something that really triggers me. And so, um, yeah, that, in, and being in sales, that's sort of like one of the things that we tend to do a lot of, um, uh, arguing about right architectures and and all of these things. So yeah, that's that's my topic for today, architecture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's also one of the things that that I've been discussing a, a, a lot because, I mean, 
my perspective on this is that if you don't have very good arguments, multi-tenant and multi-instance is probably a bad idea. Yeah. Yep. There there are, of course, situations, but uh, the answer is generally (laughs) no. Yeah, and I, a multi-instance, I mean, that that would be in the cases where we see some a lot of, because we can have multi-instances per tenant, yeah. but but that would be if you have different industries and there's overlap and you, you can't do that. And there, I've seen some really good applications for it because uh, to solve some of the issues in regards to mm. uh, data replication and multi-finance and so on. But but it, it is like a special case type of scenario. So I mean, in your, in saying, your line of work, I mean, what's the what's your most common argument for, for like getting in that discussion about multi-tenanters? So it, it, for me, multi-tenant is like it, some of our competitors and I, this is what I do. I love looking at our competitors and how they are weaker than us because we, I think we have a, from an architecture <laughs> perspective, <laughs> yeah, because from an architecture perspective yeah, cool. for the ERP side, mm-hmm. I mean, Having a single tenant public cloud offering is the the best. And I, the, my reasoning behind that is because if you look at the history of ERP, we can go back fifty years until the start, right, the, the bare beginnings. There's always been customization extensions. There's never a, one single ERP that will work for complex industries. If you go into like hair care, uh, or you work you're having a barber shop, or you're maybe an electrician and a small company that does that, or you're a, 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 a learning somebody to drive and do these types of things. I've seen some ERP that are really, really extremely vertical, and that's fine. But for a manufacturing or a, a professional service company, there's always these commercial aspect that kind of oh it doesn't really fit into that so come as coming as a sort of like a global erp vendor coming in with a yeah. standard one size fits all out of the box industry vertical solution for every geolocation oh. that it's, simply, it's been a tough i've sell, never right? seen that yeah. happen yeah so so when they come in at us they say and and the, i think this is going to be a swing and you can arrest me on this let's say two years now because we're going to see some people go for these multi-tenant architecture components. And SAP is clear on that as well. They talk about keep the core clean and keep the core clean is fine. But what they mean is like you 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 do your extension somewhere else. Mm. Yeah. And so they start with these, these add-on platforms. Mm. And then we're talking about a different type of system as opposed to the system of, of record. Yeah. And, and then it's same with, with, with Infor and, and some other solutions as well. It's like, yeah, you, we can publish a multi-tenant solution. You have to be on the train. We're doing monthly updates. We're doing all of these things. Um, and then they're selling it as like a low-cost thing. And they're not taking into account testing and, and proper application lifecycle management. Because if you're on multi-tenant, you're going to have to comply with, with their schedule. And you can't do that. So having that single tenant doing a doing an upgrade skip because maybe you're in, a, in an audit or you're doing something else, that, that opportunity... And from a risk perspective, it's just awesome. And what they're saying then, because they don't have public cloud single tenant architecture, they're saying, well, you either do multi-tenant or you do a private Mm -hmm. cloud single tenant. And that is where the cost comes in because then you have to do system updates and you have to do uh, your monitoring of the actual hardware and doing all of these things. You can do it in cloud, that's fine, but still a single tenant private cloud. And that's when the cost occur. And that's... I think is is kind of the primary win for us this single tenant public cloud, cool. and they're not talking about it because they don't have it. <laughs> yeah, 
So I, I understand what you mean. I, I completely agree with um, the reasoning or the experience that whenever you go vanilla or like pure standard, because even though back in the day it was always it's selling like you can customize, but it was it's been for a while. Like okay, customizations are bad. A standard is good. Yes. Uh, from a cost driving perspective. So so does and is cloud going to solve exactly. that? Yeah. About the, the, um, the you going full standard, it leads to uh, microservices or custom applications popping up like mushrooms because there are real business scenarios that you need to solve. So going strict vanilla doesn't solve anything either. You have to like find a way to to, to, to resolve it. You have to make concessions somewhere. Yeah, and exactly. are you going to do that on the architecture and then make these things in other technologies? And you Sorry. can do it on a low-code platform, but is that the way to go uh, now? I think some some cases are good for low code, but if you like have a warehouse process that is very very unique and you want to it's add some value, perhaps no. Uh, no, no, I no, completely exactly. share that. It's it's efficiency enhancing. I would I would say it's a lot of a lot of cool stuff can be done, but like you say, if you have a like high low latency requirement, like business critical scenarios, maybe not the low code platform yeah. is the way to go to solve that one. But there are different applications, of course. And I, I love reference the Gardner architecture or the pace layered architecture in that case. Mm. And and if you look at the pace layered architecture and then you put some boxes underneath, I have a slide that does this. And it's it's sort of like the system of record, right? That is finance and operations. Mm. And then you have your system of differentiation where you have a, a higher propensity of of doing sprints and it's, it's, a, it's a shorter life cycle of the applications. The implementation time is a lot quicker. Mm. And that is sort of like Dataverse and the Dataverse applications that we have. So it's sales, field service, and all of these applications. And then you have your system of innovation. And that is the power platform yeah. and the way that you can implement these things. Mm. So, yeah, that's really and cool. that's a differentiation for us. Yeah. So, but on that, there was another topic we discussed before. I mean, the Dataverse, you mean you one coming from, from FNO, right? I mean, Especially, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm an old developer as well, coming from AX 2009. I also touched the 3.0 version. That was my that was my earliest one, at least. Um, so, coming from that platform, from the data model, going into Dataverse. Previously, I mean, common data service as well was like, okay, cool. How does this work? Um, why is this table not called Venn table? It's called something else, and it's not a table. So, a bit of, pretty big um, transition coming from ERP side. Um, now it's more. It's, it's it's part of the solution, right? Or it's actually built on top of the, you can you can define it or discuss it how you want. But Dataverse, what's your what's your take on Dataverse and the future for it and and how it fits in the ERP platform from Dynamics perspective? Yeah, I like th there are some concessions you have to do when you look at these models, and it has to do with sort of like where we want to innovate on top of. If you go into and the ease of this, right? If you go into to somebody who is working. Uh, as as a, sort of like a super user and and you want them to extend or use the customer data right i think it's in the in the party model that we have inside of fno we're talking about 26 maybe even 50 tables right yeah, it's, okay. it's really normalized, normalized. Yeah. yeah and then and then we have the customer v3 entity which is the denormalization of that which then represents the 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 same a customer entity or the account yeah, entity exactly. inside of, mm -hmm. and and there's some concession that there's always an issue there, and I've seen some of the aspects now kind of where we will move CE to a more of a, uh, and I know you've talked about this to more of a sort of like a party model where you have this, and and in some cases that makes sense, right? Because in some industries and it may be inside of engineering or you're doing some service industries, you you don't have one customer with just two addresses, right? You have 25 addresses or you have more complexity and yeah. that model supports that. So you're doing some concessions, but what it does bring to the table is a, a sort of like a layer where you can much more easily start these these 
extensive pro uh, mm. processes that ends up as a sales order or as a project timesheet journal or yeah. uh, a, 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 some type of expense journal, something like that. So you can build these front-end systems. And I think the Dataverse platform is extremely malleable, um, especially in the when you look at again the payslot architecture from the system of differentiation mm. type of column in there yeah i mean you could you can always al almost look at it as as an an api layer or or oh, like yeah. an integration platform that's yeah. that's where you can do the 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 changes the modifications and the, the interface changes mm. but you can keep the 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 main system intact instead yeah from from an API layer side of it, if you want to do interactions, if you replicate something or use dual write, like dual write is is used in some areas, and it's not for all integration purposes to F and O. But uh, but in some cases, if you have at least a one to one relationship with the table inside of Dataverse, exposing that as an API as a, is a much easier and. To be frank, like the OData API is not extremely performant. It is the, the issue is also like OData OData's are just not denormalized at all. So it's very complicated when you want to write something. You have to kind of have a relationship with twenty five different tables, and that's where I think the micro architecture comes into play, where we now having all of these microservices that are business purposed yeah, um, for inventory yeah. service mm -hmm. and yeah. That's I think where we were looking at. And when I talked to a customer we were selling to, that that was one of it's like, what's your API first architecture? And I was thinking about it, it's like all of these new microservices is really just an API layered for specific business processes, yeah, kind of building on top of that. Yeah, and it's offsetting the performance needs of the of the ERP, the system of record. That's really cool. I mean, a lot of these services, visibility service being one. Um, a lot of these built on Dataverse as well. My, my take as well on Dataverse and Power Apps and the whole local platform is that it's a good, except from just being a good sales tool, because really cool, like doing demos off, off that platform. And, and it, it makes it easier to explain the data model and the business processes because you can attach to the entities from FNO using Power Automate. So that's a really good tool for coming into and understanding the business process, but not really going into the complexity of ERP, right? As long as you understand what purpose yep. each system will fulfill, that's where really the, the complexity comes in. If you understand that sales or CRM has this purpose over here, and you can have a customer, you can have an account in CRM. It can be a customer. It can it can be it can become a customer. It can be something else. But when it becomes an actual billable customer, that's when it needs some more rigid information and structure over here in ERP, like an invoicing address. And as long as you understand the purposes of these two different systems, then. For me, Dataverse and, and the um, well, Power Platform and the Low Code Platform, really, they can both combine and extend each other's um, strengths. We're moving into this this kind of complex architecture because it's it's uh, we've done the concessions on the applications, mm. right? Yeah. I think it was extremely brave to end life of two very very popular applications <laughs> like SL and GP. We, from a Nordic perspective, was really happy, right? It's all the all the systems that we've been working on is is, is the one that they will bring forth, right? <laughs> and and both the business central now and and mm. and finance and operations. I mean, the amount of change that has happened and mm. the kind of it, to the customer's detriment, maybe, but the gusto of the product team of actually doing these changes is bettering the product. I've seen some of our competitors like keeping the same. IP, right? What imagine the the architecture if we had four different ERP solutions now, and everybody had to invest in building cloud solutions, and yeah. the, the the kind of muddy uh, which is best for this industry, and there's another one for this industry. So consolidating this as we're doing now is just amazing. Yeah.
And um, and also another thing that I think from an architecture perspective is if you have a single tenant solution, you don't have to go industry vertical for all industries. We go deep in some areas, mm-hmm. but then we have the ISVs. And I've had, and I'm going to name drop some uh, some some of our ISVs sure, because right. I really really have a great success. <laughs> like extension is excellent, and there's there's to increase extended that as well, and then also Adeaka for the for the professional industries. If you need that on top of it, it is so good to extend it for the, some of the features that we're lacking. In inside of professional services and logistics uh, or for for anata if you have a like post production and you have a device if you need to maintain that um, there's also to increase rent uh, the the diner rent solutions for renting mm-hmm. and, and they they are bringing that industry value and we have to bring that into the the mix if we want to compete with some of the other solutions that are out there for instance uh, uh, IFS on the life cycle maintenance mm-hmm. of the assets and and doing these things <clears throat> but that's kind of how our go-to-market strategy is. We're not going to solve everything inside of the solution and be the one-take-all. But with the partners, like that's when we really bring, um, bring the industry value. That's where the depth comes into term. the vertical yeah. industries, right, right? Where you have the ISVs to increase our Nordic colleagues, right? <laughs> so yeah. I'm really understanding a vertical and, and building extensions on top of it and becoming like a product team. I say I'm seeing a lot number of extensions or ISVs as well that really work well. Um, coming from 2012, 2009, I was like, okay, how is this going to work? How is the extension modeling? Going? But it's really been impressive to see, as you say, over the course of years, and especially since the, like the go live. There are customers that went live on AX7 that are now live on 365. That's more even more impressive. Like going through upgrade from an actual live production system, right? Going up 2012, you have the upgrade store. You can always like re-implement. That's cool. But your people that were live on AX7. Which are now on like version twenty nine. That's really cool. Yeah, and that's the evergreen story, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, and and also one of the things that that I've been been uh, raising a bit as well is that as well as you you are leaving uh, ISVs to take care of these verticals and these specific businesses. What what I also think is a good thing, and I've argued with with Gustav a bit about this, is that all of the uh, sort of um, smallest parts the the least common denominators like the the basic electronic reporting framework and so on all of mm. those things are things that microsoft is actually building and enhancing because those are the ones that everyone needs mm. almost everyone i mean say say 70 80 90 percent can probably uh, get along with those basic features there are of course those who have very very special needs mm. or that you have for instance say that you have a, a customer that has has a lot of of companies so they can get a, a they can get an enhanced uh, experience with with scaling out and using an isv for for those kind of things but mm-hmm. most of most of it when if it comes to like tax reporting and so on that's something that that you shouldn't even have to invent because that should probably just be a part Regulatory of the feature, yeah yeah i mean, I mean yeah. no one no no one can can get out of that so you should probably have that as a base feature everywhere yeah there are some countries that we don't support that that we have really good isvs for so like mm-hmm. chile and i think thailand yeah, yeah. and some other geolocations mm-hmm. that that we can can deliver these solutions on but they're also refactoring their solutions now to be on a much easier framework and they're going to support that on that new framework and i think that's interesting but there's there's one also a, a very good aspect of the architecture argument right because it, from a risk perspective, right? These these new multi-tenant solutions saying they're industry and they're doing everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it's this. 
uh, I, I, we have a, a, a sort of like a, um, uh, a really important type of person in Norway with the ERPs, like the ERP god of Norway. Uh, he's called Bujot Kessensen. And he talks about something called process dialects. And I really love that term. Like the process dialect for each company is different. Like the, <laughs> the special sauce, I think Eric Kimberling referenced it throughout the, the special sauce of each company. And how are you going to get that value into the solution? And how are you getting closer to that? So Adeaka solves the, the professional services one way to increase, has another flavor for architectural mm. construction and engineering. Uh, to, it, extension has another way of looking at it but it's still on the same base platform uh, and and then if they need and here's the here's the kicker right if you need to, to have some uh, changes made to the solution like we have multiple layers of risk where you can get this agilely into the product mm. as a standard right if you if microsoft if you're a professional industries company and you say microsoft go go make this function we put it on the backlog and it's going to be a, a long time before we can get it into the product because we have many, many customers <laughs> who are going to use the same application, right? Mm -hmm. But if you go one step down and you go to an ISV, if there's an industry value of it, you can add it to that. Yeah. If that's not, you can do to the, the partner and go, they can buy the solution that doesn't have to be published or anything, but they can own it. So you can commercially kind of offload that ownership off to somebody else who's going to maintain it. Or you can do it yourself. Yeah, the experience yeah. with ISVs companies running, uh, I work a lot with commerce. So there's a lot of ISV yeah. needs there for handling product models, etc. Yeah. And it's exactly like you say, you put some, some of the risk. Either you develop and maintain this on your own, but if if you can get it from an ISV and they put it, they can put it into the platform, you get the experience of many other users using it. It's the same um, sales pitch as using as using one version, as using the same version for across. You're not alone. In, in running your ERP. Oh, you're saying one version and I have one, 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 because you guys have the update, right? And that's, that's one misconception that somebody's out there as well. And that's a, an argument for the multi-tenant area as well. If you have a bug fix that's in a multi-tenant, mm. you have to wait for the monthly release. Yeah. But in a single tenant public cloud offering like we have, you can update every day. Yeah. We publish a new version of the software for the one version every day. If you go out and you have 250 updates inside of your your log and there's one bug fix that you need, you take that, but you get it chronologically up until that fix. So that's kind of the concept of the one version, right? Mm -hmm. You get the latest version every time you publish it. It's just a matter of where you are chronologically. And then you can be three months behind, basically up to three months behind, but some somebody's like two to three months in head as well. <laughs> so there's a five month flexibility where you can be on these versions. And that is a, just just from a from a risk perspective. That's that really is cool. major. Yeah, yeah I, I reacted when you said the special sauce of the, the di process dialects. It was a really interesting saying, because I think that's where a lot of the, the conversations go right now, coming from that old, like, where you can build whatever you want. You can take AX 2012 and you can build your own ERP on top of it, if you like, and you, that's the problem. Exactly. But it becomes your product. You have to maintain it, you have to own it. You don't get any updates. That was So everyone is clear. Now we want to go to the standard platform here. We want to run standard. So the, the problem here becomes, well, we have this process here that doesn't really fit. Um, so from a like technical architecture perspective, my, my, my perspective is like, yeah, you need to change the process. Uh, but that, that's yeah. where the complexity comes in, right? Because if that particular process uh, is their special sauce. That's where you need to, like, you can't just attack it technically. You can't just say, well, if you don't change your process, then you will end up in this maintainability monster. You need to find a lot of different solutions. And that's where really the, the strength comes in as well with Power Platform, all the different areas and the different aspects um, that, that we can use to solve a different pr uh, problem or pr problem with the process. 
you don't have to solve yeah, it. You anymore. could solve it temporarily yeah, with a local exactly. approach or a power automate flow. It is let's do it this way until we kind of architecture it and exactly. done the proper yeah. things on the system of record. Yeah. And then you discontinue your app because it 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 took four hours to make. It solved the business problem. It 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 is a big value, but it's not an architectural component that we no, want exactly. to keep. So you you kind of mature it through these these pace layered architecture models mm. as well. You might move it into Dataverse yeah. and have it as a process there. Absolutely. And then sometime in the future, it makes sense to move it in. But I want to see one thing. Say one thing, and this is something that I've been pre- preaching at the, our, our like our yearly conferences in Norway at our user groups. Uh, make sure if you're an FNO partner, right? We have these two different camps. Make sure that you get to know business uh, mm-hmm. and, and the dataverse models now, because. All our new products. If you followed up, if you're looking to intelligent auto management, mm. if you're looking at all of these, it's not services; it's actually applications that we're building. Yeah. Uh, the, the the sustainability manager, uh, the yeah, the visibility app as well is kind of based on that. But then there's another service on top of it. So all of these applications is going to get into this dataverse architecture, and you mm. need that to be there. We can't we can't have it like a standard CRM crew come in and deliver intelligent order management even if it's connected somehow to that process but it's a logistical yeah. process same with field service right it was mm. a mind change people use the platform but it's a totally different it's not like it's yeah, customer absolutely. service because yeah no but previously you so, could say that's crm we have other people we have other experts for crm that's not going to fly anymore you need to you need to understand no. how it, how it's connected and how it works so, i mean and you get a lot i mean for our other listeners here you get a lot by just looking at how dual right is set up right that's one of the best ways i use to show people how how is what is dual right how does it work it's just here it is uh, you can actually see the connections everything you get from standard like control so this is it makes the, the explanation go much much easier because okay this is fno we know fno or either we know fno or we know sales but there's the bridge right there you can explain it and that's a good starting point to look at all the work that's already and, done and from ours as well right if you if if you want to sell it, right? We want to go into the customers and we want to do component solutions and we want to break down. We don't want to do a rip and replace of an SAP implementation, mm. though we do that sometimes. But we also want to be in there with an intelligent order management system because maybe the SAP solution is too costly. And then you can go in and you just sell that and then you add some other components and suddenly you have like, we need a warehouse management system, but boy, is that connected to some stuff in here. And then we want the project management system, but boy, is that connected to some other stuff. So there's always this dependency. Yeah. The, the product team is kind of splitting this up, not just from a licensing perspective, but also from a product perspective now, trying to move some of these aspects out so we can deliver them as point solutions that work cohesively. Yeah. And that, that's what I think is, is is kind of the future. And it will take some time before they kind of support each other, but they're delivering it as standalone products and then they will, in the next release, maybe we'll, we'll add some integration, standard integrations to to other solutions. So yeah, I the, the logistics area is, is, is going to blow up and especially something that we've uh, we expanded on, as you've seen, uh, with supply chain insights and intelligent water management. So yeah. um, if you're into logistics, that's you have to know that. Well, logistics the and retail is my, my caveat here. So yeah, I'm absolutely on top of the IOM and the visibility yeah. service. That's, but I, again, I'm coming from a technical like ERP uh, perspective, specifically FNO perspective, of course. So for me, it's more like offloading yeah. the performance, making sure that you can serve on hand really uh, but i think it was interesting to see that the visibility app was one of the first apps where i saw mention of a third-party post because these are real scenarios where you need to kind of you might buy a, 
by a company that has a different post than mpost and that you want to implement um, using visibility service is just a, a tool to make it easier for your multi-application um, well architecture which you normally have if you run, run fno you might you have a lot of different applications running out there so i think visibility and yeah, and that yeah. the whole mindset is really really cool like the low level service which we don't get access to it's nice to just um, easily set it up and offload the, the all the on-hand calls that go towards a, a commerce normally yeah, and you'll see the other services coming up yeah. as well. There's going to be a lot of these microservices that, that yeah, it works with our solutions out of the box, mm. but you can really just yeah, pick absolutely. it and then have it work as a, as a microservice for another solution on an API basis where you just do different calls. And it could be for the tax service, for instance, right? You yeah. do the tax calculation. A, a, a CRM system might not have that, but if you want to have that tax calculation end up correctly, yeah. you could use that service. Yeah, I remember the uh, the old back in um, back in the day when we had a lot of customization. We had a rolling out in in, in India. They had these really super complex tax rules that were regionally yeah. based, right? So you had a, a lot of like, heavy customization hours put into AX 2009, 2012. It was different, a lot of customization. And then they changed it to flat tax a couple of years back. So they had to roll back all of these hours and hours and hours. <laughs> Thousands of billable hours went into the, went into that work. So by just offsetting that into the, that particular like logic, offsetting it into a microservices, so that's a fantastic um, decision to make, I would say. Yeah, and there were some geolocations right there. It, it, India is definitely one of them. You have Brazil China, another, Russia, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brazil, in, in India, and, and also Itali the Italy yeah. um, tax code is also quite complex. Pretty but, complex, yeah. Um, yeah, but but now it's a, it's a service and it's something that we will will support. And you'll see that also in the in the. I'm not sure if you're using that, but the the e electronic invoicing service that's also going to support all of these APIs oh, that cool. are standard for the different countries so that we can kind of just tag on these standard APIs that, that we expect them to be uh, compliant with or the formats that are compliant with the, the, the regional requirement. And the services are then published in, um, and, and can really scale up because that's also an issue, right? So all the, how fast can we get the invoices out? Yeah, cool. You had mentioned something that you were frustrated with the ERP implementations now. I just want to catch that that when you mentioned something to you one I think about being frustrated with specific ERP implementations um, for some reason I'm not sure but what the what the major but the biggest problem that some that some ERP implementations do today a couple of things <laughs> I think some of them are underutilizing the features and functions in the applications mm -hmm. and implementing very very narrow type of scoped implementations mm -hmm. and the, one of the issues is, of, of course, the customer still looks at it like the traditional ERP implementation. Like when we're getting to the goal line, that's the goal live, and that's yeah. really how we're going to like. You have to switch it, and th the mentality has to be like you're getting to the starting line, and that's when you're going to. Yeah. That's just the first Mindset, part of it. It's yeah. just like you're you're warming up, and this is going to be something. It's not a marathon. It's like it is the lifelong run. Your Forrest Gump just <laughs> keep running, getting that first meter right. So. Yeah. Just keep running. <laughs> That's how you're gonna mm. get it. Yeah, and, and then you have to look at the the implementation extensibility of it. Mm. So, uh, I think from our solution, from the platform's perspective, continuous innovation is is a big part of it, and it's something that all the new cloud solutions is. I just think that our solution and the way that we've architected it is is a better fit. I think all the customers need some type of special sauce yeah. in it, and you'll see a whiplash coming from the. Uh, from the multi-tenant implementations. Mm. And the only way they can go to the detriment of these multi-tenant customers 
uh, is on a private cloud implementation where that cost of IT suddenly skyrockets. Yeah. So, yeah, we should be well, really proud about the, the platform yeah. that we're on. Wise yeah. words, continuous in innovation. That's yeah. something, the mindset to live by. And a life lifelong run, Johan, that's something to look forward to, right? Yeah, we, t we call it a marathon, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's the Forrest Gump type of uh, approach. You have yeah, to think yeah. about it. Yeah, uh, I, I I usually tell the customers that there is a difference between a project and a product. Yeah. The difference is that the project has an end date. A mm -hmm. product does not have an end date. So oh, that's a good one. Even better. Very yeah. nice. Yep. There there is actually uh, there is actually a, a book about this. Uh, I don't have it right now, but I can I can add a link in in the in the show notes that is called product versus uh, project versus product or something like that that describes the differences between how how to think about uh, the the different scenarios yeah it's a good quote yeah. we're going to steal it <laughs> yep very good product versus projects if you're ever in the, in the doubt or you hear the word multi tenant in a compete situation yeah Hook me up on LinkedIn. That's uh, that's where you are, and uh, uh, I'll give you some uh, some good arguments. That's great. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Frederick. Yes. That's good. Uh, and with that, I think we we will have to thank Frederick for for today. Uh, we are hoping to get you back sometime, but uh, for for today, thank you very much for being thank able so to much. join us and and discussing things. It's it's always fun to have have people with opinions, as I said before. So uh, <laughs> hoping to get you back again and. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye.